A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, starting at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. He went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, uh, this passage in Luke 24 uh, tells the story of two followers of Jesus who were forced to deal with the unexpected. So this is, this is an account of what took place um, sometime during the day of the, the first Easter Sunday. And we, we read of these two disciples who are walking away from the city of Jerusalem toward a, a small village called Emmaus. And as we read of them, we see them dealing with, with two things that they did not anticipate they would ever have to face. There, there, there are two things that were unexpected for them. And the first you'll notice is they just face this unexpected emptiness. I wonder if you've ever felt empty, just sorrowful, discouraged, disappointed. Um, that's, that's how they were feeling this day, and it's not what they had expected. Um, you see, seven, seven days before this event, you know the story. Crowds of people, thousands of people had, had, had gathered to welcome Christ and his followers into the city of Jer Jerusalem. Remember, they were, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're waving the palm branches. So, and the reason they did this is because the, the people of Jerusalem, they had heard Christ's powerful teaching. He taught with authority. 
and they had witnessed the miraculous signs and healings that he had done. So, so when the crowds welcomed him into Jerusalem, they welcomed him with a reception that was really fit for a king, for the Messiah. And um, when the followers of Jesus saw the people of Jerusalem welcoming their Lord this way, well, what did they assume was going to happen? Well, they tell us what they assumed. Verse 21, they say, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They, 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 they thought that Jesus, you know, the long-awaited Messiah would, would do, well, what they expected a Messiah to do. They thought he would ascend to the throne of David. They thought he would, you know, reestablish the kingdom of God's covenant people. They thought he would drive the, the pagan oppressors from the, from the land. So they anticipated a coronation, right? Um, what they got was a crucifixion. So they, 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 they were just, they were dejected. They were sorrowful. As they're walking along, they meet this uh, fellow traveler on the road, another man who's walking down the road. They don't recognize who it is. And this traveler comes, comes along and notices how sorrowful and, and, and dejected they look. And he asks these two travelers, he asks them why they're so down. And they say, verse 19, they say, Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But, verse 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. So the, the reason these, uh, these two disciples are so down and so discouraged is because what, listen, what they expected for, for their life, when they, when they followed, decided to follow Jesus, what they expected when they followed Jesus is not what took place. They did not expect to be experiencing the kind of emptiness and sorrow that they were feeling that day. And, and you know, can you relate to that? Um, most, most believers can. You know, we, we, we encounter, um, we encounter kind of sorrow and, and, and discouragement that we did not expect. So maybe someone will say, you know, when I, when I followed Jesus and, and, and trusted him as my Savior, I just anticipated that he would give me a joyful marriage to a Christian spouse, you know, a fruitful Christian family. And in fact, they even told me, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that was the desire of my heart. And now all these years later, following Jesus, I'm still single. It's not what I expected. And someone else might say, you know, when I, when I followed Jesus, I, I, you know, the gospel was so powerful for me. I just expected that when I shared the gospel with the members of my family, they would respond the same way. They would come to faith in Christ. But you know what? I've, I've shared the gospel and I've been praying for them every day for years. And it's like it has no impact on them at all. That's not what I expected. Someone else might say, you know, when I, when I followed Jesus, I, I just thought that he would set me free from this addiction or from uh, my depression or you know, my struggle with anger. I thought, I thought, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. But he, yeah, he's helped me a lot. But every day is a battle. I mean, every day I have to get up and this monkey is on my back and I have to struggle with it. That's not what I expected. So we can understand what... Um, the unexpected emptiness that these two disciples were dealing with. That this is not what they had hoped for. In fact, verse 21, they said, We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I wonder how, I wonder how you would complete that sentence. I would, I had hoped, you know, fill in the blank. When I followed Jesus, I, this is what I hoped for. Um, 
But that's not exactly what I got. So they were dealing with this unexpected emptiness or, or disappointment. And um, here, here's what I've, I've discovered. When you are going through a season like that or when you're dealing with that kind of just unexpected um, uh, struggle, all right, um, very often the enemy, all right, the, the devil. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse, verse 10, refers to the devil as the accuser of God's children who accuses them before God day and night. And very often uh, when, when a Christian is going through this time of just feeling, you know, discouraged, um, the enemy will come along and just um, accuse you, condemn you. You know, you have these thoughts in your mind, you know, the, re the reason God isn't answering your prayers, the reason God isn't working in your life, the, re you know, the reason you're going through this depression, I'll tell you why, hmm? it's because you're not good enough, you're not, you don't have enough prayer, uh, you're not praying enough, you don't have enough faith, you know, maybe there's some sins in your life that haven't been forgiven, you forgot to confess them, you're just, you're just not a good enough Christian, that's why you're going through this. Listen, do you know what I mean, when I, that, that kind of condemnation from, from the enemy? I just want to encourage you, my Christian brother or sister, don't let the devil, don't let him do that to you. All right, look, look with me again at this passage. These two disciples, all right, they're going through this sorrow, this disappointment, this discouragement. Let me ask a question. What kind of Christians are these? Hmm? Are, they, are these lukewarm Christians? You know, is that why this is happening to them? Are they half-hearted, you know, uncommitted followers? Not at all. Look, um, they, they are, they're leaving Jerusalem, right? Okay, so let me ask a question. When were they leaving Jerusalem? Was, was, this, uh, was this Thursday night, you know, when Jesus was betrayed by Judas and then arrested in the garden? And that, isn't that, that's when everyone fled and left him. Is that when they left? No, they didn't leave then. Or, or, or was, this, was this on Friday morning, you know, when Jesus was on trial before Pilate, you know, and everybody was afraid? Is that when they left? No, they, they didn't leave then. Or maybe it's Friday afternoon when Jesus is hanging on the cross. That's when they, they bailed out and left him. No, they, they, they didn't leave him. They didn't leave him on Saturday when he was still in the tomb. This is Easter Sunday morning. In other words, these are not, not half-hearted, uncommitted Christians. These are people who stuck. They stayed in Jerusalem through the worst and hardest time. They didn't abandon Jesus. In fact, we're told that one of these uh, one of these people was called Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other person, but many scholars have wondered through the years if maybe the, the, the other person with Cleopas was his wife, Mary. All right, so in John chapter 19, we read of a woman named Mary, the wife of Clopas, probably the, the same name, slightly different spelling, Mary, the wife of Cleopas. And um, you know who Mary, the wife of Cleopas was? She was one of a handful of women who, um, when Jesus was being crucified, everyone else had fled and abandoned him, except for this little handful of women who stood there with him right at the cross, right in the, the face of danger, right to the very end. So if, if this is indeed uh, Clopas and his wife Mary, Mary, wife of Clopas, she was, listen, she was not a, a wishy-washy Christian. She was one of the most valiant followers of Christ of her generation. All right, but the, the point is, whoever this was, these were very committed followers of Christ. And, and even, listen, even Christians with strong, mature faith will sometimes go through um, a season of disappointment and sorrow. It's, it, 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 so, um, but they weren't expecting it, all right? So uh, first there's this unexpected emptiness that, that they're facing. And, and then secondly, 
Um, did you notice there's there's this unexpected joy? Oh my, isn't there isn't there joy in this story? That's the main point of it. That's a, that's the note the story ends on. By the you know by the end of the story, they're racing back to Jerusalem. They, they've got this story to tell. They're filled with joy. They're filled with hope. Why? Because they saw Jesus. This, this stranger who had been walking along the, the road with them, this was none other than the risen Lord. You know, we read here that when they, when they reached the place they were going, the, the town of Emmaus, the, uh, the stranger who was walking with them kept, kept walking down the road and they had invited him. You know, it's late. You need, you need something to eat. They invited him to stay with them. And then at verse 30, it says, uh, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. <laughs> it was Jesus. He was alive. He was right there at their dinner table. Now, someone will say, you know that, that's nice for them. That's not very likely it's going to happen to me. Okay, <laughs> I agree with you. It's not likely that that's going to happen to you. This is indeed an unusual story. But I, I want to tell you, there are a couple of things about this story that I find very, very encouraging. All right? Um, here they are. First, did you notice that Christ was with them long before they were aware of his presence? Je Jesus was with them long before they realized he was there. They, you know, they... Uh, they had to walk seven miles down the road. How long does that take? Two, two, three hours. Then the whole time they're preparing dinner, they're getting, it's all, all this time went by before they realized that the one they were longing for was right there. In other words, what they found out is that God was at work in their situation um, in ways that they had not yet seen. The other day I was at, uh, I'm at Costco. And oh man, the poor Costco workers right now, like any, any um, essential worker that's dealing with retail, you know, they look like they're in a battle zone. They've got the, the masks on, the gloves, they're standing behind these, these shields of, of, of plexiglass and people are yelling at them, you know, how come there's no toilet paper, stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's, really, it's got to be really rough to work at Costco right now. And as I'm standing in line I, and I'm approaching the, the cashier, I notice that the woman at the cash register is singing. Just standing there, a smile on her face, singing. And as I get closer to her, I recognize this song. In fact, it was, it's, a, it's a praise song that I had been singing it myself that very morning. And I get up to the cash register, and here's what she's singing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. It's, and, and I got there. I said, oh, thank you for singing that song. It's so true. So, songs like that, what, what songs like that celebrate? Oh, another song like that is um, an old hymn. God works in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform, right? Even when you don't see it, God is at work. What, what's, listen, what songs like that celebrate is a truth that the Bible clearly teaches. The Bible teaches for, for those who follow Christ that very often God will be at work in our life behind the scenes and in mysterious ways. Even if we don't see it. Jesus said that. John 5 verse 17. Jesus said this. How, how do you like these words? He said, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. 
Jesus didn't say, you know, God is at work if you feel him at work, or God is at work if you see him at work. No, he just, he said, my father is always at work, whether you see it, whether you feel it. What, what is it? Psalm 121 says, he, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And then it says this, the Lord, Yahweh, watches over you. Many of us love um, Romans 8.28. You know this verse? Um, we know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. In all things, on all days, in all situations, God is at work. And so um, if, if you, listen, if you're a child of God through faith in Christ, you, you have trusted Christ as your Savior. God has adopted you as his child. If, if that describes you, by the way, if you, if you haven't trusted Christ that way, what are you waiting for? You know, right, right now, do you realize right now the Father's arms are open wide, ready to receive you? If you would turn to Christ, trust Him, receive Him by faith, God will receive you as His child. And if, if you've done that, I, want, I just want you to hear this, my brother, my sister. Um, just like Jesus was walking with them down the road a long time before they realized it, God, God is with you and God is at work in your life right now in ways you don't yet see. So here's why I find this story encouraging. I, I know this is unusual. I'm not expecting exactly this to happen to me. But one reason is because um, Christ was with them before they, they were aware of it. And I know that he's with me even when I'm not aware of it. He's with you even if you're not aware of it. All right, so that's one reason. The, the, the second reason is, all right, even though their, their experience is, is highly unusual, did you notice that the key way that Jesus revealed himself to them, all right, is, is a way that is still available to any one of us. The, the, the key way Jesus made himself known to them, just their hearts burn within them, is... It says, as they're walking down the road together, what, what, what did this unknown traveler do? Well, he began to lead them through a Bible study. He began to teach them from scriptures. Verse 27 says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures that this, this concerning himself. He, he, he taught them, verse 26, that the Messiah had to suffer these things and, and then enter his glory. You see, they, they were... They were really discouraged because they thought that the crucifixion proved that Jesus was not the Messiah. He, no, he showed them from Scripture. He said, no, listen, the, cruci the crucifixion proves that he is the Messiah. He, he showed them this from, from Scripture, from all of Scripture. I, I, I don't know what passages he took to them to. I wonder if, uh, don't you wonder if, you know, maybe he took them to the, the, the story of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, right after the, that wicked, lying serpent had deceived Adam and Eve into rebelling against God. And, then, and, and you know, this sorrow and, and the curse comes upon the world. And then God comes, and he comes with this great promise. And God promises. He says, someday the seed of the woman, an offspring of the woman, would come, and the serpent would strike him on his heel. But, but in that very act, he would crush the serpent's head. And, and I wonder if, if, if this traveler explained to them, guys, do you realize that's talking about the Messiah? The Messiah is the seed of the woman who comes and, and who receives, yes, injury to himself, but in so doing, that's how he destroys the evil one. Or I, I wonder if he, he took them to the book of Exodus and, and you know, he, he reminded them of, of the Passover as, as, as Jewish um, people, they would have known that story so well. And I wonder if he said, do you remember how Moses was instructed by God to tell the people to, to paint 
blood on the on the doorposts of their homes the blood the blood of this innocent lamb so that so that uh, they they the people would be spared from the punishment of God that was coming upon Egypt and they would be delivered from their bondage and he, and I wonder if he said guys do you realize that's pointing to the Messiah the Messiah he's the real Passover lamb the the one who the one whose blood was shed so that we would be spared God's punishment on the world and and that we would be rescued or I wonder if I wonder if he uh, took them to what was one of my favorite stories in the Bible as a kid, the story of David and Goliath. And I wonder if he reminded them. He said, guys, do you remember David, how the one who, the one who, who slew the giant and, and delivered God's people from the, the oppression of their enemy? Do you remember how David was so unimpressive? He was just a little boy. You know? he, he didn't look like what they expected in the deliverer. And, he, and I wonder if he said, guys, do you realize the Messiah, the, the, the son of David, will also be very unimpressive. He'll come not in strength, he'll come in weakness, but yet in his very weakness, he's the one who will deliver us from our enemy. So well, I don't know what passages, but he just, he just kind of walked them through scripture and he said, do you understand the Messiah? Do you understand the Messiah? Do you understand how much God loves you? He's, he's sending this anointed one to come and suffer and die in weakness and then be raised in glory so that you might live. Now, I, I, I would expect he probably, don't you think, he probably, he probably read to them from Isaiah 53. What a prophecy. In, in, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah begins to prophesy about this, this messianic figure that, that is to come. He calls him the servant of Yahweh, the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. And in, in Isaiah 53, here's what he says about the servant of the Lord. He says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, he was crushed um, for, for, for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, if, I, if, if he read that or quoted that passage to, to them, I, I, I think he just would have explained to them, guys, listen, do you understand that from, from the beginning of time, God's plan, uh, God's plan was to free his people from their guilt and their sin and their sorrow and the, and the curse and, and, and to restore them to a relationship with God. God's plan to do that was for the Messiah, the anointed one, the servant of the Lord to come and take that suffering in their place. He just, he just said, don't, don't be discouraged because he died on the cross. He died, but he's risen. And, and this is how God rescues you. Now, as, as they heard this, um, this man explaining this to them, uh, and after when they realized that, that it was actually Jesus, what did they say to each other? Verse 32, they, 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 as the whole time they're running back to Jerusalem, they're saying, weren't our hearts just burning within us? Well, he talked to us on the road and he opened scriptures to us. It was just something so alive inside. So here's why I find this passage so encouraging. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unusual. It's supernatural. All right. But guys, they met Jesus 
the same place we can meet him. They, 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 his power was revealed to them. His life was revealed to them in Scripture, in, in, in the Word of God. And I just want you to know that God can do that for you. He can do that for me. We can, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that every Bible study is going to be life-changing or every sermon is going to thrill you or every time you, you know, you're reading First Chronicles and you get these long lists, there's going to be times when, you know, you just, you just read because you trust God will use this. But I want to tell you, if, if you, I just would challenge you, if, if you would begin to go to Scripture and invite the Holy Spirit to shine the light of His truth on it, so that you could meet Jesus here. Um, I, I believe he'd do that for you. We, we heard earlier in the service that reading from 1 Peter. Peter said to these people, he said, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Through what? What, what caused you to be born again? He said, the living and enduring word of God. God's, God's word is living. It's enduring. It, you know, it's, it, it's not, it's not going to fade. It's going to pass away. And, 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 it, and it brings life to us. It makes us new. So, um, okay, I will probably never have Jesus show up at my dinner table. You know, oh, it's Jesus, you know, sitting across from me. But here's what encourages me so much. Through the Holy Spirit, you and I, we can meet him in the word. Just, just like they did. So in, in this story, two followers of Christ dealing with the unexpected, all right? And their story, story shows us what we should expect. We should expect some sorrow. Don't let that uh, throw you. Don't let that discourage you. Don't bail out on Jesus if you go through a hard, some hard times, all right? We, we should expect that. Even, listen, even valiant Christians will face discouragement. But more than that, we, we should expect joy, Guys, just like with them, Jesus is with us even if we don't feel it. Even if we don't see it, he's right here. And we can meet him in his, in his, in his word. And we can expect that. You know why we can expect this? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we ask that um, your Holy Spirit would make your word alive for us today, that what, whatever, whatever was the particular truth or, or, um, or idea that for each one of us you want us to receive from today's passage, it may be just an invitation for some of us for the first time in our life to, to open our hearts to Jesus. It may be a, an encouragement for other, others of us not, not, to, not to give up if we're going through a hard time. It, it, it might even be a challenge to some of us to begin to seek you in your word. Whatever you want to say to us, Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you'd make, that Jesus would teach us from the Word today. That Jesus would teach us, not me, that He would teach us. And that we would hear, we would receive with joy. Amen.